This is Inside Outlands. I am your host, Nat Ryle, and joining me, joining me today is the one, the only, Luthius, lead programmer Howdy. for UO Outlands. Hey, man, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, uh, it's good to have you on, man. You're you're the most requested guest, I would say, uh, everyone, ever once you want. I was, I was hesitant to ask you. I know you're really busy, uh, but I finally figured I'd done enough of these. It was time to to pull you in the show and and just get in deep with like outlands and uo and your history with it you know yeah and actually i'm i'm kind of an old school player i've never as long as i've been playing uo i've never actually done like any sort of like voice chat even with guilds and things and so i've kind of been reticent to kind of even just i mean i I don't even own a microphone until as of about three four days ago here so but um yeah no i'm glad to be doing this though yeah uh that's actually a big thing with uo uh i haven't run into that with beard brothers but um like the orcs they they were trying to really adjust it to discord first and then having voice comms and then they were experimenting with role-playing in voice and that had some hilarious and funny <laughs> results that we really had a good time with but uh, you know because voice wasn't around like 20 years ago yeah no and i've, I've been playing since 97 so i i've my kind of vision of uo is still even just like doing overhead text chat in guilds like, like calling out people with you know I mean, actually, in in game, so that's kind of where I'm where I'm from. Yeah, let's 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 just start, man. What, what like what is your history with you? When did you get into the game? When did you start playing? Yeah, actually, I uh, so I followed the the beta. I wasn't actually in the beta, but I kind of followed the direction of beta back '96, I think, or so. And originally started playing about two or three weeks after launch in '97. I don't remember why exactly. I had to wait two or three weeks. Uh, maybe my crappy compact uh, com- computer that didn't handle it very well, and uh, I had AOL too, which was pretty horrid. Yeah, no, I so yeah, I played in Great Lakes in '97. Um, it's kind of I think I originally started just doing my own thing for a while, and then after about maybe a month or two, I hooked up with a group called Storm Rune, which is a guild in Great Lakes, and I, I don't remember exactly how I got a hold of them, but they were one of the first anti-PK guilds in, I think it actually was in, in UO, to be honest, because they, uh, OSI had them as a featurette for the Town Hall, the website, where they would kind of, kind of go into depth about a group, and um, yeah, it was kind of interesting, because my, my formative UO, UO year or two was playing as a uh, anti-PK with like 70 strength and 80 majory, um, kind of in the uh, early days of UO. Uh, and actually what's kind of fascinating too is that our this is around the time where everyone was using ICQ and possibly IRC. Uh, and we, as an anti-PK guild, trying to coordinate things, had a, I don't know too many people, too many groups that did this, but we had a, a scripted IRC system where whenever we would find out about a, a PK or an attack or something, we would uh, type in 911 space the location and then everybody in the in the IRC would immediately get a, a warning for the location, where to go to, how many PKs, and they would pr- probably respond within less than 30 seconds to anywhere in the game world, which did require us to, to constantly uh, mark runes for every single dungeon. So we were kind of well prepared compared to most people in game, I think. Time. I've heard I've heard of this. Uh, it's not the, the first room? I've heard of this IRC and like nine one one calls, and uh, no one that I know of, e- even with Discord and all our modern tools, has has set up that for Outlands. I think they tried, um, but it just didn't get use or traction. Whereas, yeah, uh, 
it's I mean I think at this point I mean the fact that with with voice chat it's pretty ubiquitous you can kind of get information out immediately if somebody wants to react to something or if somebody mentions like there's an event going on you can pretty much at this point with voice everyone can find out real quickly but um, yeah I think with the the IRC thing back in the day it was kind of unique that a group of people could coordinate something so quickly when people were historically just sending ICQ messages and you get a little you know ding and then you'd have to read it and figure out what's going on with people and. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a unique experience, I thought. So uh, how long did you stay on OSI? I played Great Lakes from 97 through 2000, and I quit just prior to college, sold all of my my stuff on eBay. I think I made about $1,500 worth of... I had I had the... On Great Lakes, I had the first house on the road leading outside of Bertain towards um, Covetous, and I think I sold that 5x5 house for 500 bucks on eBay, uh, and which is was just kind of interesting. I I told my dad that and he was kind of fascinated that I actually could make money back in you know back in the day on <laughs> gaming stuff. But uh, yes, yeah, so I played until 2000, and then I think once I hit college, I played again for another year or two. Back around when um, trying to expansion, I guess AOS and um, Third Dawn maybe. I or I forget which expansion it was, but I played for about a year or two and. At that point, you all kind of, for me, lost a lot of the appeal in terms of when it became a lot more Diablo-like in terms of stats and things. It kind of lost its appeal for uh, at least how OSI was, the direction OSI was going with that. So that's my, yeah, that'd be my official server experience. Yeah, it's like 2001-ish, something like that, right? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think it was probably towards the end of 2002 is when I, I, I was, actually, I think around 2002 is when I discovered that uh, Run UO existed. And then free shards were kind of starting to make a little bit of inroad. Yeah, did you start as a player on on the this projects, or did you did you remain a player for for a longer time? On the uh, for, for which ones? Uh, I guess when you moved to the free shards. Oh yeah, so uh, I Relport was the first server I officially worked on. I had been kind of exper- I discovered Runuo as a, as the code base probably around 2002 or so. I think around the time when I kind of I kind of stopped doing OSI. And I had wasn't really much of a coder at that point, so a lot of what I was doing was just kind of dicking around with the uh, basic run UO code and seeing what I could do with limited comp- programming knowledge, which a lot of it, it was just making spawners and setting. You could set teams on spawners so that various creatures would fight each other. So that was the big thing I would play around with was making these little scripted battles. Um, but as far as uh, servers go, I, I probably from 2000, 2002 to two thousand ten, I played. Probably, actually, even until 2011 or so, played pretty much every major free shard. Whether it was um, all of the the Euro gamers ones. Um, uh, I was really into in, um, IPY and Porgy Lem. Uh, actually, w- w- IPY one and two were the, probably the, the ones I spent the most time on. Most of the other free servers, I'd probably spend about maybe two three weeks on before I got either bored or found something with it that was kind of kind of turned me off on it. But um, yeah, so I, a, background-wise, I've given pretty much every major sur- uh, freeze chart at least a couple weeks of uh, gameplay just to get. Yeah, and if your favorites are IPY one and two, those are those are like the the heavy custom shards, right? Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't say heavy custom because I think I, I, I they had some, they had some differences. But there was I think with um, I, IPY two had a little bit more developments I think than most other free free servers in terms of. They had, at least from, from my experience, one of the first major town systems. They had a, uh, a town militia system that was pretty, pretty well designed. And 
it was, it was a little, I wouldn't say it was modeled after the OSI factions, but it had some kind of similar feels to it. But yeah, I, I don't oh, okay. think there were too yeah. many servers that were like crazy custom servers. There's there's definitely some that exist now that are just, you look at it and doesn't even re- remotely resemble UO in terms of hues, in terms of, I mean, like they changed the stats entirely. And most of the servers I would stick with were still pretty true to UO in terms of the, the basic mechanics and th- yeah, IPY 1 and 2 are probably my favorite UO experiences, I think, outside of Classic 97 through 2000 OSI UO. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, if you're first a developer on Real Poor, that's probably where I first checked out UO. I did that for a month or two, and then I did OSI for a month or two. So that, that has to be like, I don't know, 2012? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I want to say 2012. I mostly know about it just from, uh, if you look in GitHub, I could look at the commits and things I had. And so I looked at all the points where I committed code to a project, and that's kind of where I, I think it was around 2002 or so. Yeah, although Relport was pretty customized. It's, that's kind of getting to the point where it's a little bit, I mean, a lot of that's actually my fault, but it deviated a bit from standard UO, which for some people really enjoyed it. It was kind of a nice departure from what they're used to. But at the same time, there's a lot of, there's a giant learning curve to it just for the sheer amount of custom stuff we put into it. So I think for a lot of people who just, who, who if your first experience was real poor, it may have given you a kind of a different impression of how UO is. Yeah. Well, the, the hook for that server was a very tiny map with mm-hmm. uh, limited pathways so that it was it was supposed to be high player interaction, uh, like high amount of time and fast at it. Um, yeah, that was a unique experience. I, I didn't really stay long. I don't think that was real poor's fault. That was that was really the client's fault, and, and me just having no nostalgia to like push through and and learn that client, uh, which is with some of these old games is what it is. You got to have the mind frame to like pick up an old game from the nineties and t- early two thousands and and actually like get past the interface and I did it with Outlands, but uh, <laughs> Outlands launched with uh, the beta Orion, which oh, helped yeah, onboard yeah. me a, a whole bunch. So, and then I, I switched to classic UO as soon as that was ready. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that's one of the, I think kind of both the um, bottlenecks and I think one of the, the benefits for UO is that it has a very, I mean, robust, complicated, UI system, which for a new, brand new player, it becomes extremely intimidating. But at the same time, you can really customize and exper- your experience and it gives you a level of ability to, I mean, even just like in a, in a backpack, organizing where you want things to sit. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where I think now, I want to say that now that there's a lot of indie games on Steam, people have a lot more willingness to try to de- de- delve into something that's really complex because uh, they've, they've seen a lot of indie yeah, games. Yeah, I, I where, think for sure. Yeah, a lot of indie games, where, where there's a learning curve just even to figure out what the heck is going on with something. And I think UO kind of benefits from that now. Whereas if, you know, maybe five, ten years ago, somebody jumping into UO would be like, I, I, this is just too much stuff. I don't really know what I'm going to, what or where I'm going to go with this. And I'll just give up on it. Your, your, um, your admin experience. So did you, you started fresh as like a, a brand new developer? Did you, was your, was your real life job, um, like a direct tie into it? Or are you like a self-taught? Um, Hobbyist. Well, yeah. So the my my original background, uh, school wise, is uh, finance, supply chain management, and information systems. Which the latter being kind of the closest one uh, related, because I did have some programming background with that. Very very limited because it's mostly um, stuff related to kind of 
business um, pr- business pr- um, practices for internet stuff. But uh, yeah, a lot of my background actually, honestly, was I was learning how to program in, in college while I was messing around with Run UO. So a lot of what I did is took, took Java classes and actually yeah, there was a class in Visual um, Visual Basic and kind of used that stuff that I was learning and trying it out at home with Run UO and seeing you know, what things I could do. So it's, uh, yeah, actually a lot of, I think my development background came from just, uh, playing around with UO, to be honest. There's, there's, I've had a lot of people on, on Discord asking me, you know, what's the best way to get to learn how to program something and, or, you know, I just want to learn how to do some basic stuff. What can I do to learn how to, you know, make my own UO server? And I usually tell people that they can probably go online and there's a large number of websites that like, uh, W3 schools, where you can learn basic programming, and then you can on your own run, hop back into Run UO and just kind of play around with the uh, the environments and kind of trial and error things. So yeah, my background experience in terms of getting into programming and kind of uh, my 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 job now is is pure, purely programming. I work in aviation simulation software, but um, prior to that, a lot of it was just kind of basic college programming and then UO filling the gaps, which is kind of odd, I think actually. Yeah, uh, I guess you would maybe expect someone with a, I guess your gaming design encoding prowess to a, come from like a computer science background maybe. But you know, this so much of this can be learned on the job too. Oh yeah, no, de- no, definitely, yeah. But I like to think of it too as as like you've brought your all of your past shard experience and player experience, and like this is your uh, this is your. Kind of culmination butterfly. of yeah, your butterfly moment. I don't yeah, know. yeah, <laughs> right. and yeah, no, because I mean, it's that I, I've I've actively tried to build upon the failures, and I mean, there's been successes too, but there's, there's definitely been failures from things with Relpor and Ancorp um, that I've tried to keep in mind. I, I, I still occasionally kind of delve. The big, biggest biggest criticism people have for me is over engineering stuff, and part of that comes from trying to be super analytical and trying to think of every possible solution for something that could happen. And you, oftentimes you get very, very over complex systems that are not really approachable. Uh, but I've tried to kind of curb that down a little bit with Outlands. And I think I've had some, some, some success with that, but um, yeah, you no, know, I think- uh, a lot of your systems are unapproachable, but they're really not. Uh, it's, it's almost like you have to dive in. And, mm-hmm. and just start chipping away at it. And then it slowly, it all makes sense and it works. Um, a good example being the, uh, the aspect system. I was just saying the, the aspect one seems to be the one I get the most, uh, kind of, uh, intrepid or trepidation about people jumping into it. And I think once, yeah, once you get a, a, a feel for it and you take that initial leap, it, I think it makes sense. Yeah. It's, but it's just really daunting as a, as a new player, um, everything that goes into making the suit and then how it works and then, you know, what's it there for? And do I lose it? How do I upgrade it? What's all the tiers? <laughs> it, it almost feels like it's more complicated than it should be. But then really as a, as a vet player, it's, it's incredible. It's a really a, a nice system. And that's kind of how like a lot of your stuff ends up, you know, it seems daunting at first, but it's very, uh, what do you call it? Um, appealing or exciting, Wait, wait, one of your like uh, the form thread you had out about ten months before before launch, which that's where mm-hmm. I first saw Outlands, and it just had new feature after new feature after new system and new system. And I read through that whole thing, 
and I'm not a UO player, but I'm just reading this thing. Like, this sounds like a sandbox world that I want to hang out in and like check all this stuff out, do the team cool, maps I'm- and do the aspect and uh, do the boating and pirating and all this cool stuff. Um, and it, but you waited till you had uh, all those things very fleshed out and and launched with it. So like, let's go back to the beginning of the Outlands project, if you will. Like, how did how did all this come to be? What was your first big thing you tackled? Yeah, so the the origin of Outlands actually kind of went back to Ancorp uh, two. We were kind of towards the, I mean, what was going to be the life? And we hadn't planned on it being this way, but it was towards the end of the life cycle of that server. I had been working on a expansion for the for the server, a bunch of new contents. We were going to do some new dungeons, uh, some new uh, boss experiences. And uh, I had posted, I think, a preview of some of the stuff we were working on on Reddit. And around the same time, Owen had been posting on Reddit, I think under a pseudonym, but uh, he'd, he'd been posting some of the uh, map work he'd been working on over the last few years. So he had, post- he had posted all these kind of screenshots of towns, of... This, I mean, at this point, I mean, he had a, probably at least two thirds of a fully fleshed out world built, and he, I think, he saw my Reddit post and he asked me if you know if, if there's any sort of um, anything that we could definitely use as you know use his skill set on in terms of building maps and things, and that's kind of how we got in contact. He actually came onto the team for Ancorp for a bit. He did a couple of the uh, boss experience map uh, dungeon maps for us. We never actually ended up uh, launching with, or we never, never ended up um, putting him into the game because I actually ended up leaving the server. But um, after that experience, we kind of kept in contact, and I told him when I left uh, Ancorp 2, I hadn't really planned on doing anything else in terms of UO wise. I was kind of burned out and wanted to take a break and focus on some just kind of building what I wanted to on my own. So then he yeah he contacted me a couple of weeks later and said you know I'm I'm working on some um, map stuff still and maybe we can just keep you know working together at least or at least keep in contact on what we're doing keep in touch and kind of bounce ideas off each other and yeah for about about at least about a year or so we kind of just kept kept in contact daily about what we're each working on I was making just kind of my own UO stuff thing find building building things that I thought were kind of interesting. Sometimes even just recoding systems that existed already for just to see if I could do a better job with it than what OSI did or what the basic, you know, coding was for things. And then I think around maybe around probably 16 months to 18 months into us just kind of working this thing, we I think we got to a point where we realized we actually kind of had something that could probably be a full server, and we I think we were both a little uh, reticent to to being this you know the in charge of a whole whole project that was going to be released, but we just kind of decided to feel it out and see what would happen if we, you know, kind of started making this more of an actual, like, living, breathing thing. And I didn't mean to leave your, your Ancorp two days so fast, I guess. Were you... Were you a lead developer there, or were you like a support type of? Oh staffle? yeah, so, I mean, I wasn't technically a lead developer. Uh, we had a guy named Jimmy who was pretty much was technically who was the lead. He was in charge of all the. Um, he had final say on content decisions, and he was pretty much the main person as far as running the server. But I ended up doing probably about ninety percent of the the game code for the the server actually. Oh okay, well yeah, that's that's a lot of the. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, that's of, a lot of stuff. That's a lot of. I think a lot of people from Outlands. Uh, I mean, obviously, Relpor was a was a kind of a jumping point for a lot of people, but uh, I think Ancorp was for for me at least was a little bit of a evolution of Relpor in terms of making a little more custom content, but being a little reining reining it in a little bit more and having a little bit more better documentation and a little more of 
testing and kind of a little more thought into into project or into our content. Yeah, uh, is there because um, you're still primary developer on Outlands? Is there a reason why you don't have a uh, uh, multiple people doing? Your job, I think, like Jaden's doing network. Yeah, so yeah, Jaden's primarily focusing on network and um, kind of a more uh, back end code for yeah, like technical stuff. And Vorspar is also doing some similar stuff. He's been also helping us out with um, uh, bug fixing and also some some additional support stuff in terms of like donation processing and. Um, I mean, he's also yeah, but some some other kind of neat automated features, which have been pretty helpful. But well, yeah, when, when Owen and I kind of both set out to do when we decided we were going to do Outlands, I think both of us decided we had had some experience in the past with different servers. Owen Owen had actually uh, was an admin on a server a long while back, and I obviously had my experience with Railport and Ancorp, and I think we both decided we wanted to be the sole deciders of each of our elements of what goes into the game and. Kind of, kind of. I think when you have multiple programmers, it's a lot more difficult to to get your vision across and to be able to kind of create a uniform feel for the game. And so that's, I think, for me, that was the main reason why I wanted to do the the majority of the content for Outlands, try to get my vision across and uh, make a server that I felt kind of, I don't know, embodied the things I liked about UO. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's definitely you both have nailed it with Owen, kind of. Uh, creating the map and the atmosphere and then providing providing all the systems and and content to play in it's been a, a really good team and then probably the best game experience i've had ever cool. uh, at least well, in, in many many uh, years it's pretty good pretty uh pretty decent praise thank you <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i'm worried about is is uh burnout <laughs> i want to keep playing this for a very yeah. very long time <laughs> so if you need a vacation Oh you no, know, no, we're fine. You it's, have you have my permission. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> just uh, just come yeah. Back, no, the only uh, the only only, <laughs> only risk of burnout has been has been a handful of systems that were uh, the the amount of effort that went into building them has been a little bit of stressful. And I actually just one of them I I I more or less finished with, and that was the the guild and PvP uh, patch, which has been like a month in development at this point, or a little bit longer. And that's basically at this point content complete. There's some work left on it, but I've been uh, that that one's been kind of stressful to me, j- just trying to get that stupid thing out the door. And now that it's mostly done, I feel a lot less stressed. Yeah, you might you might have more insight than I do on just past shards, but th- that to me sounds like the most ambitious PvP system in a in a UO server to date. Am I talking out my out of my ass, or is that? I wouldn't say that necessarily because I think there's, I mean, obviously different servers have their own systems. I think it's probably, I'm, I'm hoping at least, it's one of the more um, uh, kind of coordinated systems. We the, the, One of the, the biggest concerns we've had from players is that there's not enough PvP content to do. And from my experience, at least, okay, so I'm, I'm my, as I said before, my background comes from a voice chatless uh, UO experience where you, I would I would try to find combat wherever I can. I would sit outside of dungeons as a red player and try to lure people to attack me. And I kind of enjoyed Guild Wars, but one of the things we've kind of discovered in the last you know a couple of years or so of, of of players is that the players want I think a lot more of a uh, coordinated and scheduled system in place for PvP ways to that they know that they can log in and find combat this time doing these various things. And I think for most people, their their basic experience with that sort of thing was either OSI factions or 
I guess if you played Relpor or Ancorp or IPY, you'd have the militia system. But yeah, so, th- so as far as this system is designed around us having a constant schedule of PvP events on an hourly basis where players can log in, hop into something that they... Um, they can have defined teams. They have the ability to know exactly where to, where, where combat's going to be at, and a scoring system that tracks their efforts, and then also a rewar- some sort of reward system from it. So I think, in terms of a condu- or kind of a um, com- combined experience, it might be one of the more ambitious systems game wise from UO. But I, I don't know. I guess it'll, be, it'll remain to be seen what, how, how players kind of how, feel about it. Obviously, players have already had the experience with the town struggle, faction struggle stuff, and that's been a work in progress continuously for you know for months now. But I think we're going to try to yeah. It, the whole idea is to kind of expand on that and use that as a baseline. Or the the corpse creep corp, corpse creek contest is also kind of another um, sort of a out, outcropping of that type of experience for players. Yeah, that was your your jumping off point, and I, I can tell you're a little hesitant to. to pump the system up a little bit, but just because it's not out yet and you never know what's going to happen once it gets into to our hands where we can actually mess with it and break it or, mm-hmm. or yell at you for it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm waiting for that, which is fine. I actually, it, I, I honestly, all criticism, even if it's not civil, I try to take something out of it. So you guys yeah. can go nuts. I, I'll say just from, from my point of view, you know, obviously I'm, I'm in beard brothers. I'm, I'm usually a little PVP like weary, um, Although in past games I haven't been like that. I don't know why I am like that in UO. I just am. But uh I usually like it when there's a meaning and a purpose to the PvP. Mm-hmm. So I think that's maybe why I did it so much in Eve Online is like we owned the space we were in. I owned the warm pool I was in. You know, it was our our fleets doing this stuff and our space we owned. And so when you fought over it, like it felt like all that had a reason, a purpose. Whereas the PvP in UO a lot of times is like you're doing it for the sake of it, which doesn't sound fun to me. Uh, I think it does for a lot of players, obviously, because uh, you know they're the the faction struggles are, are really popular. It's like UO deathmatch. Yeah. But I would want my guild to have like a skin of the game, something where we're owning or controlling, and uh, that's why the sieges sound kind of cool. It's a little bit of the you know the other games like conquest territory brought into UO. Yeah, and with the, the siege aspect, I. I I, I kind of dialed it back a bit from my, what my original uh, vision was for it. The original vision was that you're going to have kind of uh, three castles that were uh, available to be sieged at various times. And I, as much as I wanted it to be kind of a, more of an OSI style faction or yeah, factions where kind of at any given time you could technically hop into them. I think a lot of the problem with a system where people can take over things and control them is that it's well, two problems. One it's hard to defend stuff like that. So if like if your guild was to take over a castle, that means that you guys have to basically be online however long. It, I mean, as, as long as you guys can defending the castle, which I think for a lot of people might become tedious. Like if you're just constantly sitting around waiting in a castle, waiting for somebody to attack you, or you know you're not doing you're not out out doing PvP, or you're not you're not looking for fights. You're just sitting in a castle, kind of waiting around for. So I think that's kind of the, that was one of the reasons I changed that a little bit. And the other one being that it's kind of hard to hard to balance things when you have uh, a system where somebody can constantly just uh, hold something. But um, yeah, if, if if one guild holds something for for too long of a time, they're getting the they're the only one getting the benefit of it forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And so, yeah, so the, the, the shift on with the last revision of the Guild TV patch with the Castle Siege stuff is I tried to make it into a bit, bit more of a, um, I wouldn't say completely start from scratch events. Each time you have a new Castle Siege, it's it starts a little bit from scratch. The the I, the, the, the kind of the, the rub with that is I had the last guild who took over the castle has the option to start inside the castle when the event starts so that they can become the person who or the guild that uses the mortars trying to you know, keep keep people out but the system doesn't is set up so that it doesn't require that there has to be a guild defending it in order for the system to work which i think is probably for the best because you really can't count on there always being players to oppose something and, and yeah, so i you, guess the other way to do that would be attackers can attack nobody but then there's a second opportunity to defend it on the defender's time zone. That's how yeah, a lot of things and, do it. Yeah, and the, it's it's the time zone thing is also kind of the problem too. Is it's really hard to to coordinate and find uh, times where everybody can coordinate at the same time, and especially when it's just kind of like a, well, if, if things aren't around a randomized schedule, it's, it becomes really difficult to organize sort of a concerted effort between two two groups fighting over something. Yeah, I don't I don't envy your job as a game designer. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have that talent. Uh, you know, I've played a whole bunch of sandbox games. I can talk about a lot of the various game design, like systems that people have done in the past, but actually being responsible like you are for a running game world, that, that, uh, that sounds terrifying. So yes. I, I mean, you've done, you've done good so far with Outlands, but is there, where did you pick that skill up? <laughs> uh, well, I think a lot of it too is being willing to admit that you're either wrong or that your vision for things may not have worked at what you, what you expected to be. Like a lot of what, I mean, there's a handful of systems that we have in Outlands that right now the manifestation of them is totally different than what I originally planned on it. Either, uh, in terms of we had, we we launched with it and we realized this wasn't really accomplishing what we were hoping for. And some, some cases, yeah, the other, the, the, and even just the, the factions or the, well, actually the faction system alone is, is something that we're, we're shifting radically on how we're handling that. But yeah, things like the aspect system, the system was functional, but I don't think it was accomplishing what we were really hoping that players would get out of it. And I think admitting that, that we could probably do a better job and putting the effort into that it's required to completely rebuild a system that you spend a bunch of time on. Uh, I think that's something that's not a lot of people, not a lot of people are willing to do. And I think I'm willing to do that. So maybe, yeah, maybe, I think be, yeah, yeah, you, being able to admit, admit that something probably could be, be done better. And then actually going about and doing it is something that's uh, sets us apart. I, I hope. Yeah. You're taking the lessons you've learned in, in the game and you're willing to uh, maybe not 180, but just build on it and, and make it stronger and work in the game world. You've created better. It's definitely what you did with uh, the PVM and aspect patch. And it's kind of what you're hoping to accomplish with this, uh, this guild patch. Yeah. It's really exciting. And I think you're right. You've, you've done that with, uh, with guild. You've done it with, you're going to the factions. You did it with the aspect. Um, you know, the, the, the boss scene got reworked too. Which and, again, uh, is another, the, the uh, another one that does this. And that's right now is I think in that sort of, uh, nebulous state of it probably needs rework, and I mean I, we've had a lot of feedback on it. it was the omnibuses, and a lot of players um, have very different visions of what it should be should accomplish, uh, the difficulty level of the ex- experience itself, and I, I already have some current plans for where we're going to change things. The storm demon being the one recently that has gotten a lot <laughs> of feedback on, which I I, I admit that yeah, I overtuned. I, I did the omni last night, so okay. <laughs> I can I can talk to you about it. <laughs> I. Uh, 
We uh, we pushed ours off for a long time. Uh, I don't know, Beard Brothers. We're we're very we're very PVM based, and, and I think and risk adverse at times. And and while we're allied with SUP, who who are are not like that at all, we also are, are noobish a lot of times. I think we had to we used the boss scene to kind of grow our player base skill wise to to take on that kind of content. We finally felt we we're ready. Did it last night, and I think it took us. 48, 50 minutes to, to down the boss. And uh, well, f- for sure, the current effort to get to it with with the Omni book and then the actual boss fight being an hour of your time was is kind of insane. And then yeah, the possibility yeah. of losing all that work to the server uh, uh, and then the rewards is feeling very um, uh, underwhelming for all the effort put into it. Yeah, and that's a, that's that's a that's a criticism we've we've had, and I think the well, I guess, well, two aspects of it. One was that the the Omniboss system is Owen, Owen's kind of baby, other than uh, mountain breeding, which I've put off forever, and I feel really terrible about that. But um, the Omniboss is another system that he's really been kind of hoping that uh, would serve two purposes: the one being a, a, a the primary source for the mastery chain links, which right now I think that from what we've heard the um, the, the lore books with the research notes is kind of right now people are getting a lot more master chains from that, which wasn't really the intention, but we'll probably look at adjusting that. But then also the Omniboss system was kind of d- intended to be a server-wide event. And I think a lot of people are, were, were under the impression that it was more of just a solo, my guild can do a giant boss type thing. And the actual hope was that it would probably take three to four hours for the whole boss to die. And then you'd, as a guild, probably within an hour's worth of gameplay, would earn maybe you know three or four or five links, and then you could bank those. And then anything else at that point on was just kind of a bonus for you. And then it would create a bunch of PvP in the server for a few hours. So I think that's something yeah, that would be. Yeah, the event, the event part of it, I don't. I actually does sound sound cool. I don't think anyone's opposed uh, to, to that vision of Owen. It's, I think it's the uh, the hour long fight. I, the way I would love it is if it was percentage based, so maybe half as long, and then at a, at a certain percentage, like the the invite to the server went out with mm-hmm. an announcement. Uh, I don't know if you do that based on like where the boss is at. Is he like eighty, ninety percent? Then you open it up, and then you shorten you shorten the fight because like with families and all that, and like having to schedule <laughs> with families and kids and an hour. We had. Uh, that was a highlight of UO for me for sure. Cause we had so many people there, all the coordination. I hadn't seen something like that since EverQuest one days. Hmm. It was really, really cool and a lot of fun. And it's amazing that outlands and UO itself can even like support that number of players content wire. That was, that part is really, really cool. And it was a lot of fun. So I think you have something there. It's just, you know, people want, want tweaks. Yeah, and I think we can definitely do a better job. Um, we've been, I mean, as, as staff, we've been kind of uh, trying to experiment and figure out what would be a system that would uh, both make things feel rewarding for a guild and also at the same time accomplish the the ability to have it as a PvP event for the server without having the original guild that created it feel like they're being you know shortchanged in terms of the not getting anything out of it that they for the effort they put into it. So we're still, we're still working on it. We have some ideas and. Yeah, that's gonna be one of those systems that most likely most likely will go through a couple different changes just for trying to get a better better 
experience for players out of it. Yeah, we, we really appreciated like the boss summoning that that let us do content in our time zone, which was a big boost to just our activity levels and participation and comms and hanging out together and, and doing cool content. Um, and right now, I think the mini bosses are open to the servers. Those are big. Yeah, big the mini bosses. And- we're we're uh, Owen is hoping that we can do the mini. I mean, I can code it. It's it's a matter of just a matter of time and when. But we have the, we're going to probably do a like a similar similar. Uh, Mechanic with mini boss summoning. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So that'll be cool too. Um, yeah, I mean, so you got changes in the works for really for every part of the game. Oh, yeah, no, a, so we, have, we have no shortage of any sort of content coming out. It's it's just a matter of time and effort and uh, having the yeah, I guess the availability to, to to do them and us prioritizing things. Okay, I I got us way off track. Oh we're, no, that's, we're, fine. We're, that's totally fine. <laughs> We're back to the like beginning of Outland. So you're- I was actually going to say too that I, 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 as as admin on and Corp, I, I actually remember when Beard Brothers started out and Papa Carl just created the guild, and it was a majority of us bunch of players who hadn't played UO at all. So it's kind of fascinating watching them hop into UO, uh, and it was I don't know it was kind of uh, it's hard to describe this, but it it was kind of kind of nice seeing a, a guild that. Or a group of players who didn't mind being killed. We, they would get PK'd or they get they start a fight and and then they get you know get stomped and afterwards they're all laughing about it and enjoying it and, and I think as a admin it was just wonderful seeing people play UO and just not really bitching about you know uh, I'm not saying all players bitch but you know it's 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 fun seeing players who realize it's a game enjoy whatever happens and. Yeah, I think Beard Brothers ever since then has been kind of one of my favorite guilds to watch just for you guys, your mentality with playing UO. Yeah, I don't know if it's a rare a rare thing or not, but there I mean, there are definitely players like me. Heck, we're a whole guild of people like me where you you love the uh PvE, but you like you like all the danger mm-hmm. that comes with it. Um that just makes it all have have more meaning and more fun. And then like, you know, we can band together and fight back and, and that stuff's a lot of fun too yeah i think you guys from what i've heard you guys have been doing a little yeah dipping more into the pvp in the past so that's um yeah i hope you guys you guys are enjoying that <laughs> yeah i think we won an idoc last night which oh. <laughs> is, uh, or two nights ago which that was fun so uh you, you have the beginning of the server going on with owen like when did you guys like what what was the scale or what like what set it off to where you said hey this is not something I'm just playing around with. I think this is something we're going to, we're going to take to completion. I think for me, when it, when I, the realization, when it was something that was serious was when Owen started up a discord channel. Cause at that point, uh, we actually had people that we were people, people at that prior to that point, people have been asking us what I was doing or, or I guess, I'm presuming asking Owen what he's doing. And a handful of people, I kind of told them that I'm working on a project. Some people, I, I gave them very vague hints at something, but uh, yeah, as soon as we, so as Owen uh, created the Discord channel, and he just kind of did it on his own too. I was a little bit uh, kind of surprised, but it was it was, it was fine. It was it, for me, it was a bit of a push towards this becoming a little more serious. But um, yeah, at that point, once we had players in a Discord channel asking stuff and wanting to see things, that's for me is when it became like this is something that I think we're we're actually going to do. This is there's going to be something that's going to going to launch with. Yeah, once you had a community, you kind of you kind of felt. Uh... Um, I would say owed it to them, but I feel like I I I would like you want I, to I, deliver for them. Yeah, and there's a I mean there's always a little bit of an ego with anybody who's 
we'll put this much effort into something. And I think for me, yeah, there's a little bit of an ego trying to show off some things that might make people excited about UO again and things that maybe haven't you know been done in UO before. So there's always that sort of impetus for me to try to, you know, try something that hasn't been done before and see if players, how they react to it. And sometimes it, sometimes it fails and, and sometimes, you know, it takes off. You never know. So, so uh, at that point, like what were your, what were your initial goals? And uh, I'm, I'm curious if there are any big differences that came just from, from beta to, to launch to, to where we're at now, like uh, from those very early goals. Uh, as far as goals, I, I hmm, that's, I, I think not so much as goals as kind of philosophy. I think one of the biggest philosophy changes that we had, and this actually came from my experience with Ancorp, where I was doing majority of the, I mean, to be honest, the majority of the content. But uh, Jimmy was in charge of the, the, uh, the server, and one of the kind of the major sticking points he had was that we try to keep you, uh, the PvP in an outland, or in Ancorp as as true to kind of the IPY, T2A style as possible without it bleeding over into PBM. And actually, overall, I think that was actually probably the best best decision to make. I think it was, I think there's very different people who enjoy PVP and very different people who enjoy PVM. But uh, so initially with our Outlands project, we kind of tried to keep the PVP stuff as grounded as possible and then do some kind of wild stuff with the PVM. One of the biggest changes I think that happened from around, probably around beta time to launch, maybe, I'm not sure what, what point it was. The beta, our beta was about 18 months, to be honest. So it's our, a beta is kind of a big, giant, nebulous zone of development. And so I think our, it's kind of hard to define the beta versus basic development. But uh, I think we realized that... Yeah, they're the, kind of one and the same for Outlands, I guess. Yeah, it's... I, I, yeah, I, the beta was basically just kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say it was a um, uh, soft launch, but we, we pretty much had more testing going on and people playing the game on an almost essentially a developed state in beta. But it's extremely helpful to us. Yeah, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that I, we, at some point, were going to have to try to incorporate some of the PvP stuff into the PVM. Because a, a lot of players will make PVM characters that are glass cannons or they want they want to try to incorporate as much of the unique pvm content as possible but when it comes to pvp their characters feel extremely kind of gimped and, and helpless so we tried to find a way to compromise and make the um some of the skills have a little some of the pvm stuff have a little bit of impact in pvp not enough to the point where it imbalances things but enough where somebody who's ruling a pvp or pvm character may try to do some pvp at some points or at least fight back I think philosophy wise, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know um, how successful you were there. I think it's still for sure a thing where your PVM template just can't. Yeah, can't and hang. it's and part of that too is is people. Everyone has the option with a PVM template to take up wrestling or take up resist or take up some sort of uh, skill that makes them a little more viable for PvP. But the majority of people will try to max them. I think the maximizing the DPS is something that is a it's a, it's a hard kind of goal to steer away from people i think a lot of people will just try to go you know glass cannon or get as much dps as possible and if they die i guess they die they'll still complain about it but you, you technically do have the option to make a character who's a little more well-rounded for pvm and that can survive in pvp but that's up to players yeah uh, you actually and once you get higher aspect too um you can you could dial back that that glass cannon a whole true, lot true. And, and kind of go back to your pvp template because you're you're farming so much better at that point. Um, I, I can't tell you this from experience because I am tier six 
I'm a, I'm a slow ass player, but it, for what I've heard, once you, once you kind of get above 10, you can really like add back in the resist and MR and, and stuff like that. And, and kind of do both sides of the content. Yeah. I think it really comes down to what, what your level of risk averseness is. And I think there's a lot of players who, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely their, their, their decision to make whether or not that they want to go full bore and like I said, maximize DPS or if they actually, cause there'll be people who have a tier, tier 12 aspect stuff and they, um, We'll just, you know, they'll, they'll just maximize as much as they can. And if they die, they die. And then they'll, you know, uh, it's up it's up to them. It's People have their own level of risk averseness. Yeah, I mean, also, like, if you're going to make 20K more gold an hour, then you might make well more. Like, you might make more than you actually get killed. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's, and I, I mean, historically, from from my experience from being a being a farmer, I, uh, I, I guess I don't know if I famously said this, but I when I played in, uh, IPY2, I probably farmed about four hours a day in Destard as a uh, provocation tamer lock picker, and I think I had like I had I, th- I think I had majory, but I basically had like no defensive skills, and I I farmed nonstop for four hours a day for about sixteen months, and I don't think I ever once tried to like fight back in combat. I think it's one of those things where if you kind of look at it as a risk or return investment type thing or or gold per hour, you're better off just. Just farming and, and sucking, sucking it up when you die and just get back to work. And I think a lot yeah, of people kind of adopt I bet that. You can you can easily not do that and uh, farm a little less. You know, you may have to you might have to hang out another extra hour to make up the same amount of gold. But at that time, at that point, when somebody comes in or rolls in, you can actually you know hang or, or run away better. Either yeah, way, yeah, true. I mean, even survival actually kind of matters too. But yeah, yeah, it really comes down to somebody's personal mentality. I think some people, I. I I, I, I it's, it's it's sort of comparable. I think the same thing comes is kind of related to blackjack. Are you somebody who f- feels horrible if you if you draw a card and bust, or would you actually rather have somebody have the dealer, you know, uh, dealer break or whatever? Would you rather be somebody who um, like is 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 dying in you something that makes you angry or something where you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to move on from this and just get back to work? And I think you know if if your mentality is I don't like dying at all. Then you should definitely go, you know, conservative. Take up some wrestling. Take up some resist, and focus on PvP stuff a little. Uh, so I would also say, at least one of your initial goals would have had to been uh, making every skill matter, right? Yeah, that, no, that's definitely that's definitely one of the first things a new player here sees is, is like, oh, look, like camping is this, and inscription is this, and they get really excited, and then they start making unique and different builds, and uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a very huge positive to. To playing on Outlands. Yeah, and that's something that I, I think even started back in Rapport. I tried to take a lot of... Sk- the, the Rapport was kind of just a giant melting pot of all sorts of crazy ideas I had. A lot of them didn't have much testing into them. And they weren't they weren't tradition- typically well-balanced. But I, I kind of got that, that feel for trying to uh, look at it as skill and, and have it be something different. Like, for example, Spirit Speaking, we had, I think, on Rapport, the ability to uh, shapeshift into different creatures. Uh, you could do... but. Yeah, and Corp had a little bit of that too, where we had we had skills like camping and begging. We had a kind of a parallel system to taming called the henchman system, which I don't know if too many people know about that. I remember that, but it was the idea that you could recruit NPCs, so like you could recruit a um, a knight or a squire or something, and have them act as essentially a tamed creature for you. Except for you had to use camping and begging as the two replacements for uh, animal taming and animal animal lore. Oh, so things, that things like that, cool. I, we've tried to give give various skills a little bit more of a flavor without 
hopefully without imbalancing stuff too much. Uh, let, let's uh, let's move on to kind of like uh, I, I guess I, I have questions basically leaning towards um, you as lead developer in Outlands and kind of what what motivates you to keep going and uh, to keep pushing forward and and, and coding for uh, for UO money. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no. Uh, for me, the, my, and actually, uh, that's kind of the one thing that's, it's funny is that we, I think in terms of developers, Owen and I are the least, the least people interested in money out there, probably. I mean, it's, we've, I think really both of us have a mindset where we want to push the limits on what you can do in, 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 in Ultima, or at least try to come up with something that's unique in some regard that people haven't experienced before. Um, even things like, uh, like poker, for example, that's something we get asked about all the time. And we, Owen had a, a uh, contract to somebody to put together a whole bunch of new artwork for, for poker for us. Uh, the, as of right now, I don't think we have any code in the server that was actually given to us by anybody else. Pretty much everything at this point has been something I've built from scratch. Even the housing system was completely rebuilt just because I wanted to see if we can do a better job with it and, and have it be something that's kind of completely unique to us. With, even with poker, we, ha- we were debating using one of the, the public scripts on it. And I think Vorspire uh, got uh, us either the, I don't know if it was Run You a Gamer, or You a Gamers, but he had a script for us for poker. And originally I was, was considering using it, but at this point I decided I'm just going to try to build a poker system from scratch. And so that's kind of what I've been doing the last few days here. Um, just to see, have it kind of, see what you can do with the system, make it a little more unique that compared to what other servers have done um, see if there's any sort of thing, like kind of quality of life things with that we can we can add into the system that doesn't exist elsewhere and i think that's like kind a, of like the, a uo flavor to it yeah yeah both in terms of the ha- having i mean a lot of a lot of our, our i i, I kind of think of this in terms of blizzard with a world of warcraft which gets a lot of shit now but when it came out i think i i think what a lot of people appreciated about but wow was the amount of polish that went into things there was a unified ui feel to it every system seemed to kind of feel like it works together looks like it belongs together and even things that were kind of new seem to still fit within the 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 genre of things that for, for an mmo and i think yeah, a lot well, of what you, we, you've done that with outlands for sure with your yeah and i think you, kind you of new just, look yeah, like, to the gumps and everything yeah yeah the, the all the ui stuff i try, try i've been trying to make it feel like the whole entire thing is coordinated and it belongs together even for the new systems where it's kind of a you know, uh, like the the aspects or ma- the mastery chain stuff. Kind of, hopefully, it, it's something that's new, but it still doesn't feel too foreign in terms of working with it. Like, so you know, if the if the UI makes sense, if the the concepts of the mechanics kind of fit into somewhere along the lines of something that makes sense in the game world. So, uh, but what uh, what what keeps you motivated though? What, oh, what, like um, why why do think, you think, come home and, and code at night and what? And <laughs> why, why, why is Outland still your, your like baby love project or I guess. I, I think that's, it's, there's, there's, a, there's so much stuff that you can do with UO and there's so many, I mean, we get, I mean, just the sheer amount of suggestions and contents um, requests we have from people, we have no shortage of anything we can do or put out in the game. And that's kind of, it's kind of nice to have. Like there's, I think that a lot of times you, you can get to a point with a project where it's like at this point, we're just, I'm not saying for us, but I'm saying with other projects, you can get to a point where anything you feel being added on is now just being tacked on for the sake of extending the life of something that's dying. Whereas with us, there's so much stuff that we can we can do now that 
I, I honestly, I mean, I, I, I have a Trello. Are you familiar with Trello at all? Uh, no, no. Is that is that a? It's it's basically a um, a, it's a, I'm to a shared workspace kind of a. I guess you could think of it as a giant um, uh, poster board for ideas that you, you put little post-it notes onto. Oh, okay. And so it's it's a tool that usually is, is used in groups where you, you people will assign different tasks to things. I have my own personal one that's just for me that I list anytime somebody suggests something to me, either a bug to fix or a here's something that'd be kind of neat to have in Ultima Online or whatever. Everything I come across, I add to that. Uh, I, I think at launch, I deleted or I, I archived all of the stuff that I had at that point and I had 1,500 items in there. And now I'm back up to 2,200. So there's like 2,200 <laughs> different things from players that are either... I wouldn't say necessarily bugs. Most of them are kind of quality of life updates or things that are kind of nice to have. But also new concepts for things like if somebody wants for fishing, they want to have some sort of a new, you know, like kind of offshoot of the message in a bottle system. Or, But there's just, I mean, literally at this point, thousands of things we can do now for our server that I think we, we, can, we definitely can, can tackle a huge chunk of those. So I am I have no shortage of things to work on for, I mean, probably a decade, to be honest. I don't know if I'll be doing this in a decade, but I have enough stuff to do for a decade. Yeah, uh, you know there is a lot you can do. I, I, one of my big passions is is classic UO and the and the new client. And uh, you know, I, someday I'd love to see that be the only place you play on. But one of the downsides is obviously that it's not. It can't have Steam. It can't have yeah, all the, yeah. the macros and and like uh, UO crafting is really tedious. And uh, I think a lot of reasons why people even stick with it is they have these really nice built up steam macros that most servers and, and outlands allows. So if you, if you'd have forced a whole player base onto razor, then all those like crafting macros just, just don't work. Um, and I would, I would say, well, that's a big problem. We got, we have to fix razor, right? Razor's got to do those macros. And then I was thinking, well, no, no, it doesn't. And I was talking to my buddies, uh, Beerism, who's a crafter at times. And he said, well, shit, Luthius could like, Put all that quality of life, Steam stuff, just into the server. You know, yeah, have no, there's like, a lot of stuff that uh, we can definitely add, integrate. I mean, one one uh, very minor one. That, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but uh, Razor had the, the. I haven't used actually Steam that much. I'm sure I'm sure Steam has it, but the uh, stealth steps. Uh, we actually just incorporated that oh, into yeah. the, the basic system messages that players get when they walk around. So you don't really even need to have a you know a, something that tracks stuff with a with an assistance or whatever. But yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of quality of life stuff that I would actually love to do, and I and some of them we're, we're going to do. I think even the things like targeting closest, we could probably honestly set that up internally with us that you no longer use Steam or whatever else to to do that sort of thing. You actually just use a, a command that server side we, we manage it. Yeah, you can you can have it to where it only targets monsters closer and not not a player. Yeah, because we have, we have that that request a lot, and the the. Just because it gets asked a lot, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. But yeah, the the server negotiation with Steam, there's most of the the targeting stuff comes in a kind of a giant bundle. So like it'll be target closest, which will incorporate you know target closest monster, target closest uh, gray or red or whatever. And we're kind of stuck with Steam currently that we can only turn it on or off for just the, the closest. the The problem becomes obviously a target closest person because that really imbalances pvp so we've been kind of hamstrung with that but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have experience elsewhere. Yeah, Outland is kind of my one experience, and I've, I've just gotten used to to next and previous, and and then last target. And to me, it's it's nice. You know, I, I don't, I don't miss it. Uh, I've just kind of got used to it. Um, but I know that's not the case with a lot of UO players that have been around a long time. Yeah, and some people are are, are just from a from a background of they're they're used to having everybody like combat being completely scripted. You, everything is. You you just do group combat where everybody is doing target closest on a macro. Everybody has uh, homing potions on a macro, and that's just how things are. Which is it? People are 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 entitled to their own opinions, but I, I personally feel that's not a great way to to do combat to me. Group combat anyway. Yeah, I, I just think this the sky is the limit, really. Especially once uh you know you have a client that you control, and then your server that you can you can tackle just all sorts of issues with. Yeah, I no, had to think outside of the box when I was when I was talking to, to my buddy about it. You know, I think you could just take that mentality to the, a whole, you know, whole bunch of the of the game. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely love love if we could come up with if we can get to a point where we had one universal client that everyone or at least like ninety five percent of the player base was all on board with moving towards, and we could completely control what sort of features get negotiated. We can have, I mean, the ability to actually just extend the extend the client to do what we want. So that'd be fantastic. Uh, right now, we do have our kind of outliers like like Steam. We we have players who have issues with Steam, and we a lot of times we can't support it because we honestly have no idea what the code base for Steam is doing. They're having issues with. You know, kind of crazy crap going on locally for them, and we can't really, you know, uh, find any way to debug it or figure out what's going on. But yeah, if we, I don't, I don't know if we'll, we'll ever be at a point where we where we have a singular client. I'd like it to be that case, but we still have to uh, account for players' personal preferences and still make sure that everyone who wants to play can still play in a, in a you know, in their preferred manner, as long as it isn't causing major imbalances in terms of gameplay. Yeah, I, I personally love the idea of an even playing field, to, and I think most people would appreciate that as well. Even even if it's not the field they perhaps want to be on, when if they know all the players have the same level of a play, I think it'll go a long way for uh, for the stability of the game and, and PvP. And but you know, I, I, you're right. You're right, though. You need to have the adoption there, which it may not be. Yeah, and I don't think we're at the point yet where we can we can force that on players. I mean, it's I, I, it's just one of those things where we hope we give we can create a situation where there's enough incentive for players to try to move over to a client that um, does most of the features that they they're used to without losing too many other features. I think that's the, that's where the you know the classic UO has to keep coming in terms of being providing you know quality of life improvements. There's there's still gonna be some features well, that what, we, what about the what about the security measure? Cause you have you have twenty years of Twenty years of hacks that that still work on Outlands. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or some, not all of them, but you know, a lot of them do because the, the client is is essentially the same. Um, Whereas something like an Eve or or modern MMO, they're just constantly changing, and the client's changing, and the server's changing, and whereas you you know you have all this stuff, and you have hacked the OLLs, and you have you know bad scripts, and you have bad clients, you have clients that connect with all sorts of weird things, and you know I, I just. I don't think that kind of stuff is rampant here, but if you had something that you controlled, then you could you could just stamp out all of that shit. Yeah, no, I mean, it'd be nice, and it's, that's one of the, one of the one of the few a handful of things that I've been kind of taken aback by uh, is the extent that how how much stuff people have tried to automate, which is the the the, the 
I think the most obvious one was when we had our CAPTCHA on during beta and launch. The sheer amount of effort people went into trying to break through the CAPTCHA was was pretty impressive. It, it was simultaneously kind of infuriating just because we had to constantly try to to change up what we were doing. But it was also, I will say it's a little impressive how much effort people wouldn't put into doing things like optical character reading and uh, any sort of uh, automation just to get past a, a CAPTCHA for a game where you're, you know, chopping wood. Yeah, competitive people are nuts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, people. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's both impressive and annoying the extent people will go into to try to automate certain things that aren't really meant to be automated. But it's it comes with the territory, I suppose, for for UO and people had twenty years of experience and expectations of what they're able to to do in a game and. Um, some things people don't want to do by hand, even though we <laughs> want them to not not to automate, you know, harvesting. But people are going to try to do it. Yeah, I guess you as a developer can look at that as well. Like, how do I make it more interesting, where the players can actually engage with it? You know, what what can you do to mining and harvesting in general, or to attract uh, new and, and old players to actually go to go harvest and supply crafters? Um, I, I know currently there is a, a lack of resources coming in. But, uh, you know, I think there's still enough to, to supply everything that we need. Just mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think that, that's been one of the few systems where I, I, I've been a little bit at a, at a loss of a way to make it um, feel active without being tedious. And in terms of like fishing, in terms of heart, you know, lumberjacking and mining, it's really difficult to try to make something where, as a player, you're going to want to sit for 45 minutes and click something. To get you know, continuous stream of ore. I don't know. It's, yeah, it, no, it, I get it. I think I spent eight months in Eve Online getting to like the max setup for two characters, and I did it eight months in. I had the setup, and when I I went out, it was like two weeks of doing it. I was like, dude, I am fucking done with this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I know. I got I hit GM mining from uh, in. I think I started in, in late '97, and I think I hit it around '99. I. Actually, by hand, not, I didn't use a single single macro for GM mining on OSI, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I think at that time there weren't there really wasn't a lot of macros to be had like we have these days. Oh, I mean, most people didn't put, most people didn't macro. Oh, the the macro people would use, and I, I I use it occasionally for certain things. But if you would take like a stapler and put it on your keyboard and have it like <laughs> looping last object for certain stuff. Yeah, the, the penny in the in the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember one time my my I, mean, I was I was fourteen when UO uh, came out in ninety seven, and I I on my on the keyboard I had a, uh, my macro aka the stapler set up, and my dad came in and saw that, and he's like, "What the hell is going on here?" And I had to explain to him what macroing was, and he just kind of shrugged and walked out. But uh, yeah, it's a very different and just I I, I I'm very nostalgic for that sort of level of I would say naivety, but the sort of that discovery of things like i remember playing you know 97 98 we pvp'd work with characters less than 100 strength i mean i had my pvp character in 97 was 65 strength it's just, it's kind of baffling to think about that but i it's kind of i don't know I, I i think one of the 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 biggest uh compliments we've gotten in outlands is a lot of people have said that this feels a lot to us like playing uo from the start again obviously that everyone knows how to macro everyone knows how to to maximize and you know uh, power game stuff, but there's a lot of the I think the discovery feel that when people jumped into Go the first time, people have found it here. Which I've I think for me that's one of the biggest 
motivators is finding stuff to build that where somebody who comes across it saying, you know, I just discovered the ship system or, and I, this thing's, this thing's crazy. Or I, I just discovered the system and I'm kind of, I'm obsessed with it. And for me, that's, yeah, yeah the biggest I, I motivators you, being yeah. able to try to come up with stuff where somebody, you know, may find something that they become obsessed with or something. Yeah. You've succeeded there greatly. I think, uh, yeah, goal, goal accomplished there, which, uh, I did have a question for that. What's yeah, your, what, what's your like, favorite part of the game to work on? Uh, I, I think honestly, probably related to monsters and boss experience. I, I hit a bit of a, a point where I, I think around the fourth or fifth dungeon, Owen has given me a, uh, a kind of a second life when it comes to creating monster abilities and things by finding all sorts of new artwork and animations and incorporating into the game, which it really extended the amount of creativity I could use in terms of making abilities for monsters and trying to create PvP or PBM experiences that are unique for players. And I, I think trying to find a, a kind of a weird mechanic that's, I, I've had, I've had mis, mixed, mixed success with this, whether making mechanics that are both interesting, but also infuriating. Uh, obviously the, the, the Omniboss storm demon uh, stun lock thing has been on the, uh, the far end of the spectrum in terms of being uh, aggravating to players. But I think there's been a lot of, um, I think we've come up with a lot of PVM monster abilities and, and uh, team creature abilities that players are, are, I don't know, I think find fascinating. Uh, I, I believe at least. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, there, there's some bosses that it just, just have some really, really cool mechanics. Uh, and from what I've heard, it's just stuff you would never expect to, to have to deal with in the UO experience. But in Outlands, we, we get it. Uh, I've got a couple like big highlights. Like I love the uh, Cavern boss. Even oh, though yeah? it, like, even though it freezes and locks you down, <laughs> you can't be hurt when that's happening. It just kind of takes you out of the fight, which is uh, kind of cool because it makes it challenging for your group. But you don't, I don't know, you don't feel like you're you're screwed, I guess. Uh, and yeah, then, like, the the ossuary uh, the ossuary uh, uh, boss does the same thing with mummification, where he kind of I mean, there's a little. I think there's a little bit of damage to that. I think there's a little bit of disease damage, if I remember correctly. But yeah, yeah it was one of those things where I, I kind of wanted to make. I don't want to make it dickish yeah. to people, but they had to kind of, I mean, if you're, if you're a healer or somebody else who was doing support, suddenly got mummified, you have to change up your tactics. Or if your tank got you know, mummified, you would kind of have to re- redirect things. And that was kind of the goal with that. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, trying yeah. to create experiences for players. Yeah, like the Petron fi- boss has, has the different AOEs and like just all these different mechanics you're doing. And, and, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, like I, that you couldn't hardly pay me to go do Dark Mire Mini. <laughs> you don't like poison? Uh, no. I can deal with the poison. I just, <laughs> I, I, I've yet to figure it. I think people have figured it out. They go in with taste ID and they go in with taste ID okay. and it's, it's a, it's easy to, to deal with. And without that, it's just really hard. And, and you like, you've built in to where shit ramps up real big time with more players. So in a, in a mini fight where the whole server is in on it, that that stuff can get real crazy where like the whole room is a field. Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely, I mean, we have a handful of bosses where they have kind of cumulative effects like the Infer- or Infernus has the, the volcanoes where it lasts for about five minutes or I think five or 10 minutes. And the, uh, yeah, it just kind of just keeps on steam or it keeps on uh, exponentially going up and ter- shit going on the screen at once. Yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. No, that stuff's cool though. It's, it's definitely, uh, I, I think it's really neat. Um, yeah. No, I, I love, I love building that kind of stuff. I love trying to, find a balance between being creative and just interesting without hopefully being tedious, but there's, there's definitely some more. I mean, we have obviously some monsters and right now that 
or even just like uh, tame creatures for PvP and stuff that are just infuriating for players. I mean, we're, we're going to be working on dialing that back and getting a better balance. Uh, let's let's do some of our community questions. We've been sure. at this about an hour, so let's let's. Uh, no, that's good. A couple I'm, I'm totally good with it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Light. He says, "What changes, if any, might be coming to aspects?" Yeah, I think the well, the most straightforward answer to that is we have a, a kind of a planned schedule coming out for having adding new aspects. Uh, I have five different aspects uh, prototyped right now, and then also I think we're going to try to uh, bump up the tier level to either. Uh, I mean, the the, the 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 eventual goal will be the fifteen probably, so we'll probably. T- Toss on a, a 13. Uh, in terms of mechanics and the aspects, I think a lot of people have been still, even though we've had the system out for a while, people still occasionally kind of lose their aspects intentionally. And I think maybe finding a better solution for players having multiple aspects if they want to. I mean, I occasionally get people players asking, saying, you know, I want to have two different weapons in my backpack and I want not, not to be losing aspects accidentally from that sort of thing. So I think we can probably do a better job on the, the management uh, angle of aspects, but yeah, as far as oh, the, okay, yeah, I think I think yeah, we we have, a, we have a a bunch of I think pretty creative aspects coming out that I think players will be excited to have, which um, kind of, uh, hopefully change up a little bit of people's gameplay enough to the where you can make a new character type just based on the aspect alone, which I think is kind of kind of a cool concept. If I was to to have your ear, I would say give us like a, a pure healer aspect for someone to play a, a healer role. Yeah, the, the right right now I think the water still kind of re- revolves around that role because yeah we we did re- revise the water to have it where you actually um, the player wearing it can uh, get boosted healing to uh, to other targets. But yeah, if it was a more of a a general support aspect, I think you could, we could probably do a lot better. Um, you could, you could make it definitely a better healer type of aspect. Yeah, you always have to be careful too that you're not like uh, breaking or making an aspect useless, which can be a uh probably frustrating for you yeah there's a handful of aspects right now that we get a lot of feedback on people wanting to i mean poison poison in general actually for a pvm concept is really difficult to manage just because the you're it's it's kind of a multiplicative mechanic i mean the more more poison you have out there the more damage you do but you don't want to make it so that poison the basic damage of poison is too much otherwise you can get really out of control quickly and so i think that the, the aspect poison changes we need to do a little bit more fine-tuning with to make more kind of you know rewarding for players which goes also along for actually playing as a dex or pvm uh poisoner too which feels a lot we've gotten feedback saying players feel a little underwhelming playing a you know a fencer poisoner for pvm yeah so everyone hold on to your poison aspect (laughs) uh luther's gonna fix it and yeah in in general in general i wouldn't say ever to unless you have (laughs) uh Unless you're completely locked in with characters, I would never give up on any character because we can change stuff pretty quickly. If we, we I'm not saying we're going to 180 all of a sudden and just make one one character you know over overpowered, but uh, we have the ability to change stuff. So I would never just give up on uh, one character. I know when we had the the whole changes with spirit speaking, we had a bunch of players saying I'll never play a summoner again or I'll never do this again, and you know we we. we revise things and all of a sudden people were like, Oh, okay, actually it's fine. Yeah. I think the, the consensus was, it was, it was fine. And, but the boss scene, they're not, they're not really a, a big deal there. They ended up playing the role of healer and add control, mm-hmm. which is, which is definitely a, a, a useful role. But uh, I think it's one players aren't finding to be the, the most fun to, to play maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard because it, 
it's one of the the templates that can really easily become a AFK automated character. Where if you are able to, you know, on a loop, create summons and throw them at a boss and never have, you know, the boss able to break through them, uh, you can basically make an AFK boss fighting character. So it's it's it may, it may not be at the point where where players are satisfied with it. We can definitely, I think, make some changes to it. But we, it's one of the and the same thing with taming. Taming is a system where you can very easily, from a developer standpoint, put it to a system, to a point where players can essentially just hit a macro and let the thing run and not actually have to think about you know even doing anything actively. So yeah. Uh, so the next question I've got is there's a couple of them that are like this. They're basically Light is asking: Is there a location we can gain info on how damage is calculated? Uh, he's talking about master chain links, but I think people we have the new wiki um, that that's out which is kind of updated by the community and some of the developers. But, um, you know, it's really, it's you that knows a lot of these intense formulas <laughs> and, uh, and some of the info is, is just, I think you've been pretty open about sharing it, um, when you've got them, but, um, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's finding the information that might be the problem, or at least the trying to find exactly where to, to, to locate it. Yeah. Um, Try to find the other question we had, but it was basically uh, so. Uh, Bacchus, he said, there seems to be so much missing from the wiki that probably only you can understand decipher what plans might be in store for the wiki going forward. So they're, they're really similar. I think people just want a way to like get from your head to our head some of those crazy formulas. Yeah, I, I, the I've, I've been promising this a while, and I'm, I'm going to try to try to finally now that I've gotten a handful of the these big systems I've been working on for a while, like the Guild PvP patch and the uh, X Poker, which took a bit of time up. I can finally get around to doing the player stats profile page, which I know a lot of players really been wanting that to be updated and to be more informative. And I think that'd be a good point where I can you can basically break down for a character where all their bonuses. And I think also at that point that'd be a good place to attach the uh, individual wiki links for each system. And you, if you want, if, you, if players want to get into the real nitty gritty of what the actual formula is and how you know what order things are added, we can have a link at that individual bonus that shows them you know what's the full formula for it but i, I think the yeah, the player stats profile is probably going to be the central point where players will be able to figure out okay with my character i have all this crap going on what's coming from where and how much am i being added up to and right now the mastery yeah, i think stuff, that's a great way to tackle it yeah I yeah the like mastery that. stuff right now Plus players don't have a really good more. way to, to view what their bonuses are and um and i have and uh, admittedly i haven't upgraded the the arms lower gump that shows you know like uh weapon damage with that stuff and the same thing for the animal or with uh, barding. So those those will be changed here pretty soon. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would add to that maybe a way to um, uh, simulate. So like put your put your gear on to a certain tier, put this buff on, and then see what happens to your to your AR and your damage and DPS. Yeah, no, that's something but, we can definitely look at. Uh, one of the things, yeah, we, for a while we've. We kind of put it in the back burner, but I was originally planning on having the the battle trainers that you have in town, making a uh, player purchasable one that they could put in their house. So yeah, you'd have like a little you know, battle major domo or somebody that you you could keep in your house that you could test out damage on. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, we always and when the tester the testing comes back, it's kind of been the go to place to yeah yeah to do those kind of things too. Uh, we have from from Quoth, we have um, what do you enjoy about coding? Uh, for, I think yeah, it's. Uh, it goes back to what I said before, as far as being able to try to try to create something that hasn't been done before in UO. I feel like there's, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of biased, but I feel like there's a lot of I, I'm pretty active on Reddit in terms of at least viewing all these posts from various servers, kind of 
you know, showing off what their what their server does or what you know, advertising to servers. And I feel like in the community there's a very reticence to try anything unique with with uh, servers, and so I I personally like trying to push the limits on what you can do with coding in UO in terms of you know like uh, I don't know, just just very systems that haven't been tried before or just I don't know, maybe taking an approach to some things that you know with like taming or. Uh, well, you know, with the aspect type stuff, where you're actually kind of building something, I, I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy trying to tackle a solution that or something that maybe hasn't, yeah, been been tried in UO before. Uh, another question from, from Quoth. He says, "Will there be an Outlands API?" So I don't know what he's after here. Maybe a way no, to uh, like, yeah, it's, it's probably the same thing as the the um, we had. I, I I don't I don't personally have some experience with it, but I, I do have from a, a admin perspective. On Relpore, we had a website that was, uh, I can't think, I can't remember the name of it, but we had a, a uh, system where we would upload in-game data. Actually, okay, I guess, I guess the best example people probably know of is the um, uh, Lost Lands. Lost Lands has an absolutely fantastic web interface where players can see all sorts of in-game data in terms of how many, you know, or actually, UO Renaissance has this too, where you can see all this data about how many monsters have been killed, various things. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you had that go to API, then you could use that for third party tools like uh, Eve has this, Eve Online has this, where you have like economy things and websites and um, like, just do cool things with the data. Yeah, not, not necessarily it, to make uh, like scripts or things that would break the game, but more of like uh, just tools for players to have in their arsenal. Yeah, and I think a lot of those things really are ultimately end up being just kind of neat things to look at, but there's not a lot of stuff you can really make decisions on. I, I think for the majority of it's just kind of a need, like, oh, I wonder how many, you know, like, harpies been killed. And, that, and, it's, and it's neat, but in terms of actual, you know, like, what players get out of it, I... I th- well, if it's coming from Quoth, I know what he's going to want to get out of it. What's that? Better. He's economy and market, so he's going to... He would want to use the API to, like, have a, have a badass spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> seeing, seeing which items are being sold or being or being sold or yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose we, we could technically do some of that stuff. There's, there's, I'm a, I'm a little reticent to giving all of that info out. I, I, I think that there's a we, we we had a little bit a little bit of a experience with that with the uh, the server ranks the the server rank system that I, I put up where we were showing a lot of kind of you know player gameplay and, um, uh, details in terms of numbers of certain things. And the we had uh, murder counts listed on there, which I thought would be kind of you know players would find it pretty interesting. And ultimately, it ended up being something that kind of was detrimental because we had a lot of players who were purposefully uh, res killing people, and it, it changed their it changed their gameplay philosophy just to get onto this list. And I don't and in that case, it was I don't think it was a positive approach. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you make a list, someone wants to be on the top. Of yeah, it. yeah, and, no, yeah, we, no we, if ands or buts about it. Yeah, and. I th- yeah, we've also revised for the um, the guild patch. We've kind of revised a bit of, of the uh, server rank stuff to add some more things that were, I think, a little more useful and taking some things out. But uh, yeah, I think if I, I I'm kind of on the fence about making all the information available in terms of like economy stuff because I think there is something to be said for players figuring out on their own what sort of things items are selling and what sort of things are are not being you know. Um, or, Players figuring out figuring out their own information about what markets are untapped. I, I, I it kind of goes back to the same thing people keep asking about having an auction house, which 
So it sounds kind of cool, but I feel like that that's all having an auction house where players can see all the items in game currently for all vendors might limit the 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 draw for having like vendor houses with very kind of n- nice locations. So there's a the the, the, yeah, the, it's, the data it's, changing, they, it's changing the UO formula too much really. Yeah, the, da- the data analyst in me likes having all this information available, but at the same time, I feel like it might accidentally or intentionally. Uh, kind of curb some ability some some of the player you know ability to take advantage of those things which i, th- I think generally is you know if you're playing a character who's a crafter or a, you know a, um, if you're a vendor vendor character i think your ability to figure out what's going on in the game world is a skill and i think it's something that you know i i, I kind of like the idea that players have the ability to on their own figure out what sort of things to build and sell and do uh so his next question is a pretty good one um and we, we hit on this just a little bit earlier, but how do you balance gameplay? Like, what's your, what's your, how do you tackle balance? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things I mentioned earlier. I, I have a vision for stuff, and I usually find out that my initial idea for things, I, I don't know what my actual full track record is, if it's 50 50 or whether or not I actually, I have to, you know, I have an idea for something and whether or not it turns out right or not. A lot of what we rely on is players we've known for a while, or at least players who've, either through beta or through a long period of communication with us, kind of giving us feedback on how they feel about certain changes that have been going on or uh, just the kind of general state of things. And we, we still take opinions from anybody who will, who will mention them, but I think we definitely will give a little bit more weight to somebody who we've known has a good track record of being on top of what's happening in the server and them ha- being able to demonstrate that they understand the, you know, the, the gameplay mechanics that are, that are you know, underlying gameplay mechanics so i think now it's it's a probably 50 50 whether or not it's trusting my guts versus us going with player feedback on uh, on certain things and it's definitely shifted a lot more it, it was probably 75 25 starting out i kind of relying on my own my own experiences from Relpor and Ancorp, seeing what uh, happened when we implemented certain gameplay things, kind of adjusting from that but i think i i rely a lot more now on players experiences um trying to take 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 their knowledge and make it something that uh yeah well, you've got your you have the live data um you have your your focus groups you have suggestions you have discord you have forums you have like all these various places to get feedback on your on your features you just have to take all that in and, and tweak if you will yeah, and it's and sometimes it's there's a, there's a handful. I mean, most of the time, we we make a decision. We know that's going to be something that the majority of players will probably appreciate. And, and occasionally, we have to do something where we know that it's probably not going to be popular. But I think for the best of the server overall health, it's something that's going to change. Like something you know, if we change loot stuff, the bulk anytime we we lower loot, if that's a, if that happens, the majority of people are going to be like, no, I don't want I don't want less loot. But it's one of those things where we you know have to kind of look at the server health more than anything yeah i'm a player i always want you to buff yeah no, no, nobody yeah nobody wants their template nerf <laughs> and, and occasionally if we've actually had players i think one of the biggest ones historical or one of the yeah i think historically is when the server launched we had the server rankings and stormy had the uh he, he was like far up in terms of gold earned he was i think ahead of everybody by seven million and he primarily played play a tamer, and he, even he was saying we needed, we needed to nerf tamers for various reasons and things. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's in terms of we we had, I think people would be surprised at the 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 range of 
feedback we've taken players and, and even the the you know players who are kind of all caps yelling stuff we do generally try to find something you know in their feedback that we can use so it'll, yeah, it'll get to boxes he's got about. a good question here um uh, name one positive experience someone had on outlands too easy <laughs> name three is that is someone other than me or what's the uh, uh i think he's talking about like uh he says someone so it's got to be like okay. someone you've uh <laughs> i don't think anybody's ever had a positive experience outlands uh, <laughs> it's no, all it's um, all negative <laughs> yeah we have, we have a ton of players who are all just angry angrily playing our game right now um i don't know i, I, I think personally this one's kind of just from my own. I, I the the ship system for me is kind of my own personal baby. It's I haven't. I feel bad because I haven't made as many updates to it recently as I I've hoped. But I feel like a lot of players have jumped into the ship system and said this is something that they'd never really experienced in almost any game, to be honest. And there's obviously been some games like um uh or just what, what's what's the the um, the ship MMO one right now? I'm, I'm trying oh, to like that shoot. right now. Uh, uh, Sea of Thieves, yeah, Sea of Thieves. Like it's it, there, and there's even been things like you know, like Pirates of the Burning Sea. But I, th- I think in terms yeah. of for at least when the, and the the UO, UO experience when it comes to managing stuff is very different than any other game. And I think a lot of people have jumped into the ship system and said this is something that I really haven't ever seen before in a game. And I, I really enjoy it. And we have a lot of players who that's a that's a luthiest ass game system that ever was. Yeah, and that, there's and that, so I much going on there. Among, <laughs> among anything, is the most unapproachable system because there's so much goddamn shit that goes into that system even just to get a ship in the first place uh and this amount of stats the amount of commands the amount of i mean even the amount of hot hot bars and gumps involved there it's just yeah it's completely overwhelming uh but the same token yeah, it's well, also very rewarding once you once you master it yeah and, and, uh, and it's yeah I, I feel like we got to the point now where the actual management of the sh- of, of a ship in this game is extremely fun i i, I think at least but yeah, I have a lot of the players who say they, they only do ship stuff on our game, which is kind of I kind of want them to branch out a little bit, but at the same time, I'm 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 thrilled that they enjoyed it so much that they'll spend all their time doing ship stuff. That's not to say there isn't any improvements. We have a lot of I, I'm already currently working on a bunch of ship upgrades and uh, quality of life stuff, fixing some bugs, and I have a whole bunch of stuff planned. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people really enjoy that. Other systems, yeah, I think I think the 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 boss fights, I. Th- think a lot of players have given us a lot of feedback saying that you know like some of the boss fights they've had on outlands have been something that they've never really experienced before and i think that's something that um yeah i think it's you know it goes it goes both ways sometimes it's we've had players who said this is the hardest thing i've ever done in a in in outland or in ultimate online also it's been the most rewarding when when we actually beat one which i think is pretty pretty good praise yeah Yeah, it's good praise Uh, and it's a good system too yeah, it's again. There's still room for improvement, but I think yeah, we I think it captures a lot of it, it combines a lot of different gameplay elements in UO that I find find, find fun. Like I, I'm somebody who likes min min maxing stuff and managing stuff, and I think with with bosses being able to manage ads, being able to even using like timing on dodging attacks and things, and knowing what certain things do. I think there's a lot of different kind of skills that go into managing a boss fight. And I think a lot of players have been really, really receptive to trying out something like that. Yeah, uh, speaking of ads, you should, you should get uh, ads on the boss tracker, not necessarily on the tracker, but like the damage we do to them. Have it oh yeah. In. Okay. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cause uh, like the Omni, there, there were some of us that that was almost our sole job was ads. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. So. I, I suppose. Yeah. In terms of actual da- total damage is probably, I mean, the Omni has got 5 million hit points. There's probably at least two or 3 million hit points worth of 
boss da- or uh, add damage probably too. Yeah. So you hear that, Sicario? I'm actually closer <laughs> to you in DPS than. Yeah, you're no, you're, you're going to be uh, rewarded at some point here. Uh, yeah, let's see what uh, else we, will be. In we there. got a we, we got a question from Owen. Uh, when is Mount Breeding coming? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> what was that? He wants to know when Mount Breeding is coming. Uh, I, I, I told him we're going to have house breeding before we have Mount Breeding too. So <laughs> we're going to be uh, finding a way to to combine houses together before we do Mount Breeding. No, it's yeah. I, I feel really bad because we've we've been promising Mount Breeding forever, and I even built a system. I built a Gump system for it. I built all this other stuff, and then we at launch introduced a whole bunch of different uh, Mount Callers. And then the and then some specialty mounts, and then it kind of got complicated from that point on trying to figure out what I'm going to do with all these different uh, hue combinations and what we're going to do. And it's, it's it's still on our list to do. It's it's going to happen at some point. Uh, actually, more than anything, we're going to be. Uh, for, yeah, let's put you on record for when it will be done. <laughs> at some point, there we go. I, I will officially say it's going to be done <laughs> at some point. Um, nice. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, on that, that similar note, though, we actually have. Uh, a number of new mounts coming out that we've actually we, some of them have been uh, custom built. Actually, we have a, we have a number of people who have been doing custom artwork and animations for us. And uh, well, I think we're ready to. I think Owen may have teased some of them, but we actually have a number of pretty high quality mounts that are coming out. So I think people should be pretty excited about those. Yeah, I think uh, I think people will be, uh, especially especially if the artwork matches kind of the the artwork people like to see. If you yeah, and it, it, it does. I've, I've I've been very, very reticent about adding any sort of crazy crap like, you know, like um, oh, Ridgebacks and that's one. Even just like rideable beetles. Whenever I see that on different on other servers, I'm just kind of like, oh god, I don't want, I don't want that to be here. I was originally actually not even gonna have llamas yeah. and uh, uh, bears, and I, I kind of caved on that to be popular demand. But uh, I think, I think overall aesthetically, give me, a, give me a giant dragon mount and a glacial hue, or even yeah, yeah. there's like swamp dragons. I just, I can't stand <laughs> the sort of half-assed animation approach that OSI did for some of these creatures like like swamp dragons where they just look kind of goofy moving but well we got we got some stuff that we're, we're pretty impressed with and proud of and i think it'll fit into the general kind of aesthetic we got going on uh okay we got a big one from bacchus so yep. <laughs> uh, let's see there have been a number of changes made that would seem to be widely accepted but reversed later after small minority complains the loudest examples would be limitations on recalling into a house by a non-friend or the change that would not flag a blue in PvP if fighting back against a red. How do you and Owen measure changes that could be overall benefits for the majority versus the complaints of the minority? I think with it kind of varies from from system mechanic to mechanic. I I think a lot of times we if we have something more well actually to, to take a step back I, I the we we get a lot of feedback and it may seem in in like on in the main discord channel that only a handful of people are actually just you know voicing their opposition to things we do get a lot of feedback from people all over the place in terms of pu- private messages and even on the forums too which most people don't think that people will use the forums but we still actually get a fair amount of um, messages from the forums but in, in a lot of the things we've we've rolled back or we've reverted have been things where well, well I think well, a lot of times if something we're not quite sure that it's gonna gonna have the effect that we want we'll defer to what's currently in place we'll roll back and we'll kind of readdress it I I don't know it's it's some of those too like as far as the change in the recalling the house were things or actually even one of the one of the earlier ones was the 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 having blessed house deeds and that's one thing where. We made the change, and I know a lot of people raged about it, but I, th- I think it overall probably was better for the server. And sometimes, even if it's there's a mi- minority of people 
voicing their feedback on something, I feel like it may overall have have a better long term server health. Even if I know there's gonna be some people raging about it, yeah. I, so yeah, yeah you sometimes keep your your server your server first over the vocal. True, true, and I, I want I want people to be happy and, and feel that the changes that are being made are generally uh, accepted. But there's occasionally there'll be things where you know I like I said before it has to go to, to long term server health, and it, I think it might in some cases be um, you know unpopular, but do that, but. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to answer that in terms of it's yeah in terms of the vocal minority getting what they want. It's sometimes sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not, and yeah. sometimes if yeah, we're they're not, a, they're, a, they're they're part of the equation that they get something to your to your radar, but that may not be why it wins out. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things. Uh, and and sometimes we we if if we make a decision and we we didn't realize immediately what the response is going to be to that, we'll we'll roll back and then kind of revisit it and. Maybe we, you know, we, we feel yeah, like, maybe might we be like the hamstring change recently. You put a hamstring big change and then rolled it back. Yeah. Like three days later. I, I, yeah, it's, it's most, yeah, we, we didn't really, it, it's, it's something that we've, I think probably would be worth having more discussion on. It's not worth trying to have a giant fight over it at that, at that at time, I guess. It's probably uh, not, not a very satisfying answer because it, it's, again, a lot of this is really on a case by case basis, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the, one of the last questions for Bacchus, uh, what might be in store for to level the playing field for a PVM build against a red or group of red PVP builds? So kind of a way to balance. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we discussed, discussed that a little bit about yeah, the whether it's some of that does come down to the players, whether or not they're going to actually build a template that is a DPS glass cannon or if they're going to build something that is going to be a little more well-balanced. And part of the two is, I mean, really, I mean, there's, there's some templates that's, generally function well in pvp no matter what you do if you're playing a bard you're not going to be that type of character but if you're doing you know, like a summoner or a mage you probably can survive a little bit better than than you know a glass cannon bard or whatever uh as far as yeah but leveling, bard is probably the the biz, the biggest example because they have so many skills that just have no translation to pvp yep. at all other than like mob control during pvp yeah and then, then those things where I don't, I don't feel feel comfortable trying to suddenly make a bunch of PvP applications to bard skills to, to you know to accommodate a handful of players who are playing PvM bards to suddenly you know uh, provoking other players in, in combat and you know whatever crazy crap you could probably come up with. Um, yeah, actually, uh, at this point, I don't know. It's it, some of the, some of the things have been kind of minor changes. I wouldn't say it's so much a a level the playing field thing, but as far as the with the guild patch, we actually turned off or the heat of battle. We disabled it if you are a uh, character attacking a red or gray character now. So I think one of the things we wanted to see a little bit more of is players who are farming actually standing up and, and defending themselves against PKs, which yeah, in some cases requires you to actually take the first you know to take the first step and rather than just waiting for somebody to attack you first, actually if you see a red coming at you, you know maybe you will magic arrow first. Um, it's I wouldn't say that's a probably a you know it's not going to level the playing field, but I think in terms of the philosophy we have in terms of you know uh ca- causing combat i think it kind of it kind of varies from pk to pk but i think a lot of people have mentioned in discord that if you are a pvm player if you actually stand up to it i mean it's uh, obviously numbers matters if it's a you know if you're outnumbered as a pvm character you're not going to win regardless but if it's solo pk if you take the first initiative as a pvm character you may actually you know kind of startle a pk and uh may actually be able to you know at that point survive or run away from that point too. So yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, all true. Uh, and while we're on Bards, is, do you have any plans for Provoke to, to tweak it to be more useful here in Outlands? Uh, I don't know. It's I, I seem to be in the minority in terms of the, the, the benefit of provoking because I, I, I still feel that provocation effectively is is peacemaking on two characters at once. The only caveat is you have to have two characters on the screen at the same time. Because, you, I mean, both of them have this, roughly the same duration, and you're essentially taking both of them out of the equation because they're both essentially not fighting anybody else anymore. So what, what, what would you say is kind of one of the lacking aspects of, of provocation? I'm just kind of curious. Oh, that I am not a bard. Okay. So I am only <laughs> reporting to you what I've heard. <laughs> that That... The consensus is that uh, not worth on a build. It might okay. be like the the uh, here. I'm getting feedback live. L- low duration <laughs> and low damage to others. Okay, but I mean the thing, same thing is that musicianship does not actually provide any damage either, though. So it's 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 the, it seems always kind of odd to me that people are kind of you know digging provocation for having these faults when at the same time uh, peacemaking has the exact same issue. You're basically you know, nullifying a creature with peacemaking, except for with provocation, those two creatures that you're nullifying are still doing damage to each other, which, I mean, obviously you can feel that the damage is not enough that you want, but it's still, it's still damage. I think. I don't know. Yeah. It, it may be also just there. The, it's not that useful at bosses. So, Th- so yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a, actually a very valid point. And I think a lot of provocation for bosses really comes down to the ads. When you have multi- all these ads on the screen, that's when it kind of shines. But yeah, when, when you're at a stage where it's just the boss, uh, provocation obviously wouldn't be particularly useful unless you're, I guess if you want to get really creative, you can technically use provocation on uh, the boss onto other players. Like you can actually basically, you can use the provoke. I mean, this requires an immense amount of coordination, but you can technically provoke, you know, the boss onto a tank character or onto a tank uh, pets or something else like that. But yeah, that's a little bit avant-garde in terms of usage. So yeah, but yeah, in terms uh, of yeah, well, see, yeah, in terms I've, got of- a, I've got a, a heavy hitting one from, from Jack <laughs> Churchill. Okay, what's that? So uh, I have heard that it's possible to force art files to return to standard on login. Will you ever require that to ensure a level playing field for all players? So uh, a way I'm, I'm to, guessing uh, this is the tree hacks to block stuff, art changes. What? I think I cut you off there. Oh, I'll say I think that I'm, I'm guessing this is related to. Oh, well, actually, yeah, there's two issues. One, we have seen some players using custom art files to take certain items for for corpses, like you know, like uh, master crafting diagrams or things that are kind of high high value loot items, and making the icons gigantic so that in the backpack they could or in a corpse they can f- see them easily. Yeah, uh, a, a pink foot uh, pink footsteps, um, larger aspect items, larger skill balls. Like they're just tweaking the art because that's you know you just modify it with a hex code and yeah, done. yeah. Uh, I don't know. That'd, that'd probably have to be a question for Jaden or for Aspire. Uh, they have a lot more experience with the client's code and, and managing the files. I don't know if because basically in order for that to happen, I presume you basically have to do an audit every time you log in to assess that the the checksum or whatever it is for art files and things exactly what we have on the current uh, patch version. Uh, I, I don't yeah, know if exactly. that's level... And that, that require us to have probably a bunch of other custom custom client changes too, I presume. If we ever went to, we ever yeah. went to a unified client, I think that'd be more likely something that could happen. But at this point, before we actually have a unified client, I don't, I don't see that happening right now uh, in terms of us dealing with it. Yeah, I, I know there's something you could do with your current with your current tech and current server, or if you if you needed the the unified client to have that happen, 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think it'd be a kind of a long-term goal that would be ideal, but I don't think we have the capability at this point to enforce it or the uh, willingness to, to put that amount of restrictions on players in order to make that happen yet. It's, it sucks that players can do that, and you know if it, if it makes looting kind of imbalanced, I, it's unfortunate. Uh, at this point, I don't know there's a whole lot we can do about it yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if there's anything we can do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, with Loot Grid, too. You know, both both Classic Gyro and and Steam have Loot Grid. And yeah, that's, and that's uh, been that's been an issue for a long. We, we, we've had that issue as far as going back to you know and corporate. I mean, it's been a while yeah. where players have been out and you know, annoyed about being able to loot things more efficiently than other people. And so it's been a long, it's been a UO issue for a while. Uh, and our final question from from Marsh. He wants to know why are energy vortexes and blade spirits worthless here? Could they be improved for PvP? I, I think. Uh, I think I know why they're not good for PVM. It's because you want summoners to uh, to be to matter. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, that's the, part of it. But is there anything you have plans for for some of the earlier level summons? Uh, well, I think Blade Spirits is one of those things where it's it's a level five spell, and it's one of those things where historically in UO, both Blade Spirits and Energy Vortex were light years better than any other way you could you could farm things. I, I agree with that. They should still technically be worthwhile here, and that's probably something we, we should work on. the The DPS on them should be uh, a little bit better than a, a basic summon of the same level, just because of the fact that you are risking. I mean, the whole point of those two spells is you're you're increasing DPS, but you're also risking having them attack somebody else and you know putting yourself at risk. So I, yeah, I think we could definitely make some changes to those mixed spells to make them a little slightly better and. You have you as a player, as a summoner, or even just a you know person, basic mage, making the decision whether you're willing to risk the DPS for for those things. I do like the fact that we, with all of the custom summon stuff here, the changes we have to the actual summons, players tip, seem to make a make a decision whether or not they want to actually use demons or earth elementals. Uh, I, at one point, we yeah, had fire uh, elementals were a I little think on, it was all demons, and now it seems to everyone's using elementals, but I, both are still pretty good yeah i think right now it's it, it is kind of focused or it has kind of turned into mostly demons and elemental or in earth elementals i think we can get back to a point where players originally during beta or at least end beta early launch players were using two or three different four different types of elementals just to kind of um from the tool set based on what they were fighting and i think that would be kind of i i yeah, I'm kind of rambling here, but I think yeah, we can def- I think we can, we can improve on the vortex and blade spirit damage to make them a little more attractive and players who are a little less risk averse trying them out. As far as PvP, I I don't know. I, I've never really found that energy vortex and blade spirit PvP feels super rewarding. It feels more of like a and I'm somebody who's who I'm at. I I've spent a lot of time in COVID is three on uh, Great, Great Lakes and other servers. Uh, dealing with people fight, attacking with blade spirits and EVs, but I don't. Yeah, yeah let's drop those on those new one tile pathways and uh, yeah, it's yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, for. I mean, some areas. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Owen actually has been working on trying to kind of kind of clear up some of the areas that have been definite bottlenecks. I think we have a, still a handful of them, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't I'd have to kind of make. I don't know if philosophically speaking, energy vortex blade spirit PVP is something that I feel is really rewarding for players. But I, I, I yeah, would yeah, like to hear some more feedback. That's a good answer. Time. It's it's a uh, maybe buff them a little bit for PVM, but you kind of like you kind of like their spot in the current PVP meta. Yeah, I haven't seen too many people try them for PVP, which obviously is probably based on the damage and based on you know their effectiveness here compared to OSI or somewhere else. But 
But then again, for OSI, for I mean, everybody everybody farmed with either EV or or a demon, and for PvP, everybody yeah used very very similar things. And I think here we have a lot more options, and so that's why you see a lot less people relying on those here. All right, man. I have taken too much of your time. <laughs> uh, I really, really appreciate you you setting aside the the time no, to totally sit here and have have a conversation about UO with me. It's been awesome. So I hope the players and and Outlands as a whole enjoys it, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I was it was fun doing this. I, I I genuinely like talking about UO. Usually it's it's over chat, but I yeah, I, I, this has been it's been pretty great actually. And now that we've we've got you a mic. Like you should you should hop on one of those dev debriefs. Just uh, yeah, I know that's the, I I know that was gonna be the next step. As soon as I got a microphone, it's I'm gonna be in all all this other stuff. So I will definitely try to make a concerted effort to to pop into some of the other development stuff. Yeah, I think it's awesome to hear from you. I, um, I, and the, the the story of your your rise to to Outlands lead developer and then the partnership with Owen. And then just kind of getting the nitty gritty of some Outlands details has been a whole lot of fun. So it's a, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, go to our website, insideoutlands.com. Join our Discord, get updates, listen live. If you catch us, um, leave us and our guest feedback. Um, I don't have a guest lined up yet for the next show, but uh, we will find someone interesting to talk to you. So uh, I'll see you guys in uh, two weeks. Thanks again, Luthis. Uh, thank you. All right. Later. Thank you.